This has come to the table. Bible studies from the New Testament Christian Church of Cheyenne. These studies are presented every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at our church at 3800 East Pershing Boulevard in Cheyenne, Wyoming. If you'd like to contribute to these studies, you can make a donation at www.myntcc.org backslash Cheyenne-WY-Giving. Amen, amen, amen. Welcome, everybody. Our Bible study tonight, and I think I've posted something on Facebook to this effect, at long last, after talking for weeks about starting a study on relationships, we are beginning that study tonight. Tonight begins our, our first Bible study on the subject of relationships, specifically relationship between faith and works. That's it. That's what we're teaching on tonight. So that doesn't have anything to do with Holy Week. It doesn't have anything to do with the Passion of the Christ or Passover or anything else. How come we're not teaching on that? This may not have anything specifically to do with the events that we're celebrating this week, but it has everything to do with the Christian life. Amen? Faith and works. Faith and works. And the simplest and the most concise teaching on the relationship between faith and works is found in the epistle of James. And so that's what we're going to be teaching out of tonight. We're not teaching the whole book of James, not that it's all that big. It's only about four chapters, I believe. But we're teaching specifically on this theme, the relationship between faith and works. Now, Paul and Peter both also teach on it, but James's teaching fills it out with both practical and historical examples, and we want both. We want historical examples uh, so that we have precedent within the Word of God that speaks to us on the matter. And we also want practical examples because we want to know how to apply this. That's the whole purpose for Bible study. Bible study isn't just college-level lectures or high school-level lectures or whatever, lectures on uh, biblical history or on uh, maybe some doctrine or whatever. The whole purpose of it is to get down deep into the details of it and see how it applies to how we live now, today, in the age in which we're alive. We want to know how to apply this to our own lives because that is, and as we've spoken of many times before, that's what separates the student or the disciple from the student. The student merely studies to learn knowledge. The disciple studies to learn how to apply this to their life. Amen. And that's what makes it a part of us, and that's what shows that we are indeed his disciples. And so James's teaching fills it out with both practical and historical examples for us, easily sorting out the proper order of these two complementary elements of Christian life. And there's the key right there to all of the studies we're going to be doing, however many or few, uh, these studies on relationships is that they are complementary elements. They are not mutually exclusive. It is not faith or works. It is not faith versus works. It is faith and works. And we'll get into that a little bit more here in a minute. So there's two different and opposite errors. All of this is just some introduction before we dive into our text. There are two opposite errors that people can fall into with respect to these two things faith and works. Uh, the one error is usually fallen into by unbelievers. 
Christians and unbelievers both have erred on the importance of faith and works, embracing a false dichotomy, you could say. A false dichotomy that one is absolute, one is of absolute importance, while the other is of no importance whatsoever. That's what's called a false dichotomy. When we get a notion in our mind that uh, something is either or, it's either this or that. And there are a number of real dichotomies, true dichotomies that we should understand and embrace, which is to say it's either sin or righteousness. That's not something you try to find a balance between. The relationship between sin and righteousness is one of complete and total divorce, one of complete separation. They should have nothing to do with each other. But with faith and works, it's a false dichotomy, meaning both of these things should be a part of the Christian's life, but they must be a part of the Christian's life in the proper order or it all gets wacky, okay? And it might sound a little bit silly putting it that way, but it really does. It's the unbeliever that usually places the emphasis on works without regard to faith. It's usually the unbeliever that falls into that error. And what we mean by that is it's usually the unbeliever that not understanding what not understanding the importance of faith or the necessity of faith, they fall into an error of regarding works, good deeds, the effort to be a good person, all of which is an effort to sort of tip the scales in their favor in the day of judgment. They have a notion in their mind that, well, if my good works outweigh my bad works, then it'll be okay for me. And there are a number of religions that also believe that, and that's that's where it's a swing and a miss. And Paul talks extensively about that, but I don't really want to get into that tonight. We're going to look at it from James's point of view. And so it's all in an effort to earn one's way into paradise or into heaven or into some sort of a good afterlife. That's the error that the unbeliever usually falls into. Good works will get me in good with God. But we as, as believers, we as Christians, born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, we as believers understand that it doesn't work that way. It never worked that way. So, well, did it work that way in the Old Testament? No, it wasn't even that way in the Old Testament. It was always by faith. We'll get to that perhaps, perhaps more in a moment. The believer, however, is more prone to make the opposite error. They're more prone to place emphasis entirely on faith, even to the complete exclusion of works, and many have been taught to do so. That's the error that a lot of believers make. And there's reasons for that. So, well, I thought that it was entirely by faith. Well, yes, it is entirely by faith if you're talking about salvation. But we're not teaching about salvation tonight. We're teaching about the Christian life. And within the context of the Christian life, what the relationship is between faith and works. If you're just talking about salvation and how a person uh, obtains favor with God and, and obtains salvation, that is entirely through faith. That is altogether through faith. Just to be very clear about this, that is completely by faith because the work that was involved in salvation, that work was entirely, it was done entirely by Jesus Christ. That work was what? his sacrifice on Calvary. And in that respect, it does tie into the events of Holy Week because 
uh, if you want to call it Holy Week. Some people call it Passion Week, whatever you want to call it. It does tie in to the, to the, the events, the final events that culminated in Christ's ultimate sacrifice for us. In many churches and many denominations, they celebrate all. They celebrate that uh, on Friday of this week because tradition states that he was crucified on a Friday and then he rose again the third day. Well, when did it actually happen? We don't really know what day of the week that it was. We just know that it was right before, you know, Passover was during that week and that Jesus rose again, I believe that Sabbath or something to that effect. We don't really want to get lost into the details of what day, when, where, how, and all of that. What's important tonight is understanding rightly where faith and works come into our life. So they are taught to do so, meaning believers' proclivity for uh, placing all of their emphasis for their Christian life, placing it all on faith and completely excluding works. They're taught to do so because they don't want to fall into the trap of counting on their good works to get them in good with God. And that's a it's laudable that we don't want to fall into that trap because didn't the Pharisees fall into that trap? And don't many other religions that are, that are prevalent on the earth, they, many of them fall into that same trap as well. The effort of trying to earn our way into salvation, earn our way into heaven by doing good works. And so we don't want to do that. And even Martin Luther himself, okay, just to give you an idea, even Martin Luther, the great church reformer himself, went so far as to reject the book of James because of its emphasis on good works. And understandably so, yes, but it was a miss for him to do that. It really was a miss for him to do that. Yes, he was coming out of a works-driven religion, but it was an overreaction on his part. Say, okay, well, where's the truth of it then? Well, like many things, the truth is found in the middle. It's found in the middle between two extremes. It's found in the middle right here in the proper harmony between two otherwise opposing things, faith and works. When we think of it as when we when we think of it as a false dichotomy, that it's when we think of it as a dichotomy, that it's either or then we miss. We miss out when we realize that it is both at work in our lives for the as far as our, the living of a Christian life. Again, we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about after a person has been saved, after a person has been born again, then these two things are both at work in that believer's life. So you see how we have to, why we have to navigate this very carefully because one slip of the tongue and it sounds like you're preaching salvation by works. And then, you know, that's definitely a swing and a miss. So we want to make sure that we're doing, handling this properly. So it's faith and works, one properly resulting from the other and not the other way around. Both of these are to be at work in our lives at all times. And so with that, let's go ahead and begin in the book of James. If you're following along at home, if you're with us in the house of God tonight, either way, James chapter one, and let's begin in verse 19. James chapter one, verse 19. He says, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness 
and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, right off the bat, it sounds like James is promoting certain works within the life of the believer, isn't he? He's telling us to lay certain things aside. That's a work. It's an action. And you can, just to kind of sort it all out in your own understanding, you could even take the word works in the midst of this and you can replace it with the word actions because they are literally the same thing. Works are actions. They are deeds. They are things that we do, words that we say, things like that, okay? So he tells us to be swift to hear, to be slow to speak, to be slow to wrath. He tells us to lay apart all filthiness and superfluity. That just means an excess of, a needless excess of, a superfluity of naughtiness or things that are things that come to naught. It means they are vain and they add up to nothing. That's the root of that word, okay? He tells us to lay these things aside and then he tells us to receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, verse 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. That's another action right there. He's calling us to more works, to more action. Be ye hearers of the word and not doers only, is what he says, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So what is he emphasizing here? He's emphasizing a work, an action, a deed, which is what? to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. Does that make sense? Because he even explains if a person is just a hearer only, someone who's sitting there on the receiving end, hearing, 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 and in the midst of all of the hearing, there's instructions. He hears instructions to do this, don't do that. And by that, I'm not talking about just commandments. I'm talking about do right, don't do wrong. He says, cleave to that which is good, avoid or eschew that which is evil. So a hearer only is someone who hears all of these instructions, receives all of these instructions from the word of God, but doesn't put it into practice. He is not a doer of the word. James says that guy, that guy who's a hearer only, he's like someone who's beheld his image in a mirror and then wanders off and forgets what he saw when he looked in the mirror. He looked in the mirror and saw a great big pimple in the middle of his forehead, huge, like a stoplight or a, well, it's not the right color, but that's gross. So we won't get into all that. He, you know, he sees that. Oh, wow, look at that. I should do something about that. And then he gets distracted and wanders off and forgets forgets what he saw on his face. He, you know, or like the person that plays that practical joke. I wish I had a coin on me. I don't. But the person that plays that practical joke on someone and they, they hand them a coin and say, you know, roll this up the side of your nose. Or maybe it's one of those looking glasses that they had you look through, you know. And so you put that thing up against your eye and you don't realize you're getting pranked and you pull it away and there's this big black ink circle on there that was on that thing. Practical jokes. So you saw yourself in the mirror and you saw that you'd gotten practically joked and then you walked off and forgot all about what you saw. That's the hearer only. But it is the doer, and James says this, and we've even preached on this within the last few months. He says, verse 25, but whoso looketh 
Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, I'm getting ready to, no, 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 we're right on track here. Whosoever, whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, that means he's doing, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You're looking to be blessed? What are you doing? Are you doing the word? Again, we're not talking about salvation. In the context of our teaching, salvation has already occurred. So we can't say, oh, well, it's all faith, 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 faith. Well, yes, everything that we do, we should be doing by faith, but that's just it. We should be doing by faith, amen? We should be acting. We should be working, laboring, doing something to the glory of God. Not because we're trying to earn something from God's hands. Not because we're trying to earn our way into the kingdom. But because of what he has done for us. We are debtors to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are debtors to Almighty God. Yes, we are children. And so he's not necessarily looking to collect on a debt per se. But man, we ought to feel some kind of obligation to our Lord, shouldn't we? What did he endure in this week that we celebrate this week? What did he endure? He endured the agony of Gethsemane. He endured that kangaroo court that they ran him through, two or three of them. He endured all of that. He endured the beating and the mockery and the shame and the mutilation of his own flesh. And ultimately, he endured that horrific death on the cross. Shouldn't we feel like we should do something? I do. I do. And if I've been slacking and not, you know, not doing something that I know I ought to be doing as far as just getting something done for the kingdom. Now, I'm not talking about sinning or, or resisting temptation. It's just when I feel like I've been kind of on cruise control in my spiritual life, there's this feeling of guilt that comes along with that. Like, really? Is that what I'm doing? Is that, how I'm, is that the way I'm supposed to be doing it? Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, to quote that, oh, that old hymn. There's a lot of merit to that. We ought to feel like we should do something for the Lord because of who he is and what he's done. So let's jump over to chapter two now, okay? That's all I wanted to take from chapter one. Let's jump over to chapter two. Verse 14, I'm going to pick it up in verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren? And normally I take things paragraph by paragraph, but, but tonight we're doing it. This is a thematic, a topical Bible study. From verse 14, he says, what doth, it, what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked, and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it have not works, is dead being alone. And so this is the answer to the faith only all the time crowd, okay? That, that works have no place in a Christian's life, doesn't matter what you do, uh, it, didn't cost, it, it didn't cost me anything to get saved, and so it, it shan't cost me anything to stay saved. No, 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 no. Let's look at what James is talking about here, okay? Let's take it again from verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works? 
Can faith save him? Well, yes, it's faith that saves, all right? But he begins to take us into that territory where we, we understand that works are the evidence of faith. Now let's read on, and maybe we'll backtrack and we'll cover some of this a little, in a little bit more detail. So let's take it from verse 17. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being, being alone. Faith without works is dead. It's not that faith needs works to complete it. It's that those works are the evidence that that faith is in fact real faith. So let's read on. Yea, verse 18, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. That's where it begins to come into focus. Do you see now? That's really what begins to, to clarify that proper relationship between faith and works. It's faith that saves, yes, but it's works that are the manifestation of that faith. A person says, well, I've got faith. All right, well, but this person over here has also works. So he's not placing an he's not placing works over faith in terms of importance. So he says, yea, a man may say, this is verse 18 again, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. Well, that's a non-starter right there. You can't show in your faith, show your faith without works. Because works are the evidence of that faith. Works are the evidence of that faith. So let's take that and run with it a little bit. Here's a man that says, I've been saved. I'm born again. I've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm a new creature in Christ. But here's a man whose life has been completely transformed and he's actually living a different life now because of that faith and because of that salvation which one is it evident in? The guy who's all talk, who stands up and says, I go to church four times a week. Praise God for those who go to church four times a week. But, you know, the guy who's just all talk saying, I do this, I do that. Didn't Jesus talk about that over in the Gospels when he was, when he was uh, talking about uh, these two men that went into the temple, one of which I think was a Pharisee, the other one was not. And the one that was not, all he did was get down on his knees and smite his chest and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. But the other, God, the other guy was like, um, God, I thank thee that I am not like this wretched, lowly person, that I give tithes of all that I, of all that I own or all, that I, all my increase. And, and I do this and I do that and I do all these other things. And Jesus said that the man that left the temple justified wasn't the one that was just all talk, boasting about the things that he did. So when you contrast human examples of these things, here's a guy who says he's got faith, but here's a guy who's got works and it's the evidence of his faith. You tell me which one is blessed in his deed. It's the guy that you can see by his works, the change that was done in his life. Because tell me, all right, judge this yourself. Judge ye, okay? When somebody, you meet somebody that claims to be a believer and claims to ha have newness of life in Jesus Christ, say, I'm a Christian. And you watch their life for a little bit, not because you're trying to be a judge, but just because you, you happen to work in, 
in close contact with them or you see them, they're just someone that you know or maybe even count as a friend. And then you see them do something or hear them say something that you know good and well is powerfully contrary to the word of God. What do you think when you see that? That person told me he's a Christian and I just watched him walk out of a store without paying for the things that he just got. I just saw the man shoplift, but he said he's a Christian. Do we see how this is kind of coming into focus? Faith and works together. I'm not saying it always is because there are a lot of unbelievers that'll still do the honest thing. Okay, so I'm not making it an absolute, but you judge yourself, judge yourself. That's one of the things that is, ev that is evident of a changed life. You no longer say, ah, oh, well, they won't miss it, and you just take it on home. Or maybe you were one of those that walked down the grocery aisle and you saw something that was like really out of place. It was, it was supposed to be five aisles over, and you thought, oh, this is out of place. Well, I'll just take it. The, people actually think like that. They have all kinds of wonky justifications for doing things that are wrong. Oh, it's just a small thing. They won't miss it. Or they, they like free sample in the produce department. Like, oh, let me try this. You know, they're popping food in their mouth, popping groceries in their mouth just to test it and see how it is. Like, no. Our works, our deeds are the evidence of that transformative work that Jesus wrought in our life. And that's what he's trying to get us to understand here. Let's read on. Let's see if we can wrap this up because we'll read this through to the end of the chapter. So he says, thou believest that there is one God. Verse 19, let's take it from there. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. That's for the believe only crowd, okay? Because there are those that say, well, I'm justified just because I believe in God. As long as I just believe in God, as long as I just believe in Jesus, and I just believe that he's the son of God, then I'm completely justified. Well, James dismantles that right here in verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Well, that's where the records, the needle scratches right off the record right there. And it just completely undoes that, that, that particular belief. Because there's a lot of people that hold to that. Well, as long as I just believe that God is real, I'm fine. No, because the devils also believe, but they tremble. Why? Because they're in the wrong. They are, they, are, they are wicked spirits, and they know. They know that their day is coming. So he says that in verse 19, but verse 20, it goes on. He says, but wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? And that should end all discussion right there, but we want to cover this thoroughly. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works? Faith wrought, that means it worked. Faith worked with his deeds. Faith worked with his deeds. Do you see now how they blend together like two gears, the, te the teeth of two gears working together? Faith is the one that drives it, and works are the direct result of that. You know how a clutch works, right? If you've got any kind of mechanic inclination, well, you've got the, there's the one wheel and the other wheel, the diaphragm, and then that thing presses up against another wheel called a what? That's the clutch plate or whatever it's called, right? And so the diaphragm, that's what the engine's driving. That's where all the power is. And then the moment you lift your foot up off the clutch pedal, that thing slams up against the clutch plate and starts spinning it. You see how engine works with clutch? 
engine wrought with clutch to move car, right? Yeah, caveman English. We're on we're doing good here tonight. It's the same way. Faith is where all the power is. That's what counts, but it slams up against our actual deeds and moves us, right? It moves us into action to do things and not just do things, but do right things and abstain from wrong things. Do we see it comes into focus now, doesn't it? Works are important. They don't save, but they sure do show. They sure do show. Let's go back to our text. He said, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect, meaning complete? What good is faith if nothing ever results from it? What good is it if it's all just talk? And there, are, there are groups that are like that. I get it. There are religions that are like that. It's all about what you hold up here. Well, no, it's not. It's all about what you hold up here resulting in how you live out there. That's how it all comes together. And that's what shows us the proper relationship between faith and works. It isn't one or the other. It's both. It is the faith that is the gift of God that God put into every single one of us as believers. It is that faith working in us, resulting in our works, how we live, what we do, as well as what we say and how we think. The life we live will be evidenced, will be the evidence of the faith that is at work in us. Verse 23, let's see if we can wrap this up. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? Now he's reaching back even, well, not, I won't say he's reaching back further, but he's reaching back into more of ancient Israel's history or more of Israel's ancient history, I should say. And he mentions Rahab the harlot. Well, Rahab the harlot was delivered from the destruction of that city that she was a part of because of what she had done. She had faith to do something, but then she actually did it. Do you see? We see. Verse 26 is where we bring it to a close. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And you could even, he does not say this, but you could say, you could also make the same conclusion. You could say that works without faith are also dead. Deeds without faith, dead. Faith without deeds, dead. We need them both. Jesus did the work to save us. We believed on that work. And now that we are born again by the Spirit of God, by the blood of Jesus Christ, now the life we live is different. And everything we do is different because those things which we do that are right, we do in faith and by faith believing. And thus that work is made complete. 
and then the faith that we have resulting in the things that we do, a godly life lived in faith makes that faith complete. And so there you have it. Faith and works. Faith and works. Let them both be in your life and in the right order. Faith first and then the resulting works that follow. And that's a good place to park it tonight. Let's bring it to a close. Thank you for listening to Come to the Table, Bible studies from the New Testament Christian Church of Cheyenne. Included in these presentations are red-letter studies on the life and teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ, historical studies on the Old Testament, topical studies on biblical doctrines, and practical studies on Christian life. If you enjoyed this presentation, you can support our efforts by contributing at www.myntcc.org backslash Cheyenne WY giving.